welcome everybody to this edition of the Pac-Man Podcast on the BMG Network. I'm Ted Flint, your host, and we have some good news to report on the COVID front. We hope it's good news. The numbers are going in the right direction, not just here in New York State, but across much of the country and much of the world for that matter. According to WorldNet Daily, new cases worldwide for the week of January 24th through the 30th, similar to the level of the previous week, though the number of new deaths increased 9% to more than 59,000. That's the bad news. That reflects the usual lag between infection and death, according to the UN. But the most profound pullbacks in the restrictions are in Europe, oddly enough. For many months, Europe was the, the epicenter of this pandemic. South Africa as well with the Omicron variant. Omicron was first announced publicly in South Africa and in this country. In Britain and in America, as in South Africa before them, COVID-19 cases skyrocketed at first, but now they're coming down, and they're coming down rapidly, and especially here in New York State. Uh, every week, Kathy Hochul, the governor, comes out with these new numbers, infection rates, new infection rates are down, hospitalizations are down, uh, deaths are down. So the numbers are going in the right direction, but then why all the mandates? It belies the numbers, and they've been trending downward for weeks here in New York State. Now, New Jersey and Delaware, I heard today, are, are going in the, uh, in the right direction. The numbers there as well. So they're, they're getting rid of their mandates, but not here in New York. Not until, I think, at least March 7th. So Hochul is, I mean, they're afraid to death. Democrats are afraid to death of, of COVID. Now, nobody's, you know, looking to get it. But they are, I think, overly cautious for whatever reason. But again, all these uh, numbers are going in the right direction. And the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, plans in the next week to review whether to keep the state's mask mandate at a time when all these new cases and hospitalizations have plummeted. New York City is averaging 4,200 cases a day. They were averaging 41,000 a day just a month ago in the first week of January. So, I mean, I think that's good news. And I think we're going to get back at some point whether the, the progressives want it or not, I think people are going to say enough's enough with the mask mandates. I, I don't wear a mask when I'm working in the state capitol. It's required, but I just, I, I, if I'm able to socially distance and I'm away from everybody else, I'm walking down the, the concourse, you know, 30, 40 feet away from the, the closest person, I'm not going to wear a mask. I go by the state police. I go by the guards. They look at me kind of funny. They, they're cordial. I get some funny looks, but I'm, I'm not going to wear a mask unless I'm unable to socially distance. I'm going to use my common sense. It should be a personal choice, as everybody knows. But this country as a whole, uh, infection rates are plunging. It was 800,000 a day just two and a half weeks ago. Now we're down to half that, just over 430,000 a day. And you have countries, you have England and France, Ireland, the Netherlands and uh, several Nordic countries have taken steps to end or loosen their restrictions. But again, not here in New York State. Not yet, anyway. And I've said to people, these mask mandates will end when we end them. We have to end them. Because I know how things work in government. These people, these Democrats who control, especially New York State government, they are so afraid. They will not ease the restrictions until the last person who had tested positive is negative. They take no chances. And, I mean, you have to be careful, but there's a balance. And I think New York is just way out of whack here. You see where a lot of these liberal Democrats, these politicians, 
they're so hypocritical. There was uh, the mayor of uh, Los Angeles recently, Eric Garcetti, was filmed with uh, Magic Johnson, former Laker great. They were at the, I guess, the uh, uh, San Francisco Ram game a week or two ago, and they were both there without masks. Nobody had a mask on. Governor uh, Gavin Newsom has been uh, recorded recently numerous times in mixed company without wearing a mask. And then then you have Stacey Abrams, former gubernatorial candidate in Georgia with a a bunch of school children. They were masked, but she wasn't. I mean, you're going to mask children? Children are virtually at no risk of serious illness or death. Virtually impossible. 99.98% recovery rate for children you know, ages 5 to 17. But those are the ones who have to mask up every day in schools. Our local school uh, that had some issues over the past couple of days where kids just refused to be masked, and they called in the police. The police had to come to the school, and I guess there's going to be another day in the next few few days. I don't want to tip off uh, authorities in case anybody's listening to this, but in the next, I don't know, four or five days, there's going to be a, a day where kids are going to come to school unmasked, and they should. The teachers are the ones afraid because the teachers and most of them are Democrats and they're just afraid to death. But it's time to get back to normal. It is way past time. Uh, some other COVID news, and this is, you know, is disturbing to me. Doctors are campaigning to save people. And these some of these people need life-saving treatments. They need transplants and they're being denied these life-saving treatments because they're unvaccinated. So a prominent U.S.-based physicians organization is launching a campaign demanding that Congress ban discrimination against transplant patients who choose not to receive these COVID-19 shots. They're not really vaccines. As I've mentioned, a vaccine is something you take once and you're covered for life. The polio vaccine, one shot, does it. These are shots, you know, one, two, three shots, booster, triple boosted, they're not really vaccines, but people are being discriminated against. People who, you know, who need a heart transplant, liver transplant, kidney transplant, whatever. They're being adversely affected. Some hospital corporations are denying patients these life-saving organ transplants because they're not vaccinated. Have you ever heard anything so ridiculous in your life? What is happening here? In one case, I'm looking at WorldNet Daily here. Permission was denied even though the transplant patient had a donor lined up. So the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons is offering an online process to allow Americans to email their members of Congress. This is unbelievable that we have to go through this. The AAPS demanding that transplant centers be legally prohibited from treating an individual as ineligible to donate or receive an organ or assign a lower priority to an individual waiting to receive an organ, if that individual has declined to receive a COVID-19 vaccine. So in other words, either you get vaccinated or else you don't have the freedom to choose any longer. So they're proposing legislation, this group, and this is a trend that's been going on. In one recent incident in Massachusetts, this was reported initially by LifeNews.com, a Boston hospital removed a dying man's name from a heart transplant list because of his vaccination status. The situation involves 31-year-old DJ Ferguson, whose heart has deteriorated to the point it no longer works on its own. He's being denied treatment. And uh, 
Michelle Malkin, columnist, nationally known columnist, has written about this these discriminatory practices. She points out the irony that federal law allows illegals to be given emergency room care regardless of their vaccination status. This is crazy. When are Americans going to just wake up and say enough is enough with this nonsense? People are here illegally. They they don't have to be vaccinated and they get emergency room care regardless of their vax status. According to estimates from 2019, again, this is according to World Net Daily, cited in a recent study published by the American Journal of Kidney Disease, there are between 5,500 and nearly 9,000 illegals with kidney failure in this country. There's now a COVID-era push to provide these people not only with emergency room dialysis at a cost to taxpayers of $400,000 a year per illegal, but also with outpatient dialysis under Medicaid. This is unbelievable. Every Democrat I would gather, and I would bet nine to five, every single Democrat in Congress is for this. Provide illegals with the care they need, but not American citizens who need a heart transplant. We've arrived now at, the, at, at, a, at a situation, it's insane, where unlawful immigration status provides us more protection or provide some more protection than those who are unvaccinated. Healthcare is a taxpayer-subsidized right for illegal aliens, but not, as Malkin pointed out, not for faithful pro-life Christians. What we're encountering here is flat-out, not just medical tyranny, but tyranny in general. These people running our country, these Democrats from Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, right on down, are, they, they call themselves progressives, but they're Marxists. And I don't know how this is going to end. Hopefully it ends peacefully and it ends through the ballot box. Americans make the right decisions in November to take back Congress. It starts there. On to, I guess most of us are getting ready to file our income taxes as we get our W-2s and get all the necessary paperwork. I read in Newsmax where Mike Cloud, he's a Republican congressman from Texas, said uh, that he and other GOP lawmakers have discovered the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms is keeping a digital database of nearly 55 million gun records collected from shops throughout the country. These shops went out of business. 54.7 million records have been collected in the last year. And we thought that seems like a whole lot, and certainly it is. That's what Cloud said during the uh, his appearance on Stinchfeld or Stinchfield. So we sent a letter. We started an investigation, and we got that reply back, and nearly a billion records have been collected. And about 90% of those have been digitized into a digital database. So, So Cloud said, while a federal registry for gun owners is currently illegal, it seems like it's what, what the agency's doing. They're doing this. It's, it's illegal, but the government's doing it. Who's going to call them on it? The law states, according to Cloud, that when you go and you buy a gun, that store will keep your records on file for 20 years in case some crime shows a crime record shows up with it. And then they'll be able to trace, in theory anyway, trace the gun and find out who owned it. Well, if that store goes out of business, those records go to the federal government. But recently, the Biden administration said, you know, we want to keep those records forever. Now, why would they want to do that? I think I know why. So Cloud said he and other lawmakers are continuing to investigate how this is happening because people are losing trust in government. 
And the reason why is because of stories like this. The government is usurping more and more of our individual rights and freedoms, and they're acquiring more authority for themselves. The gun grabbers, they can't implement their entire agenda because we have a Second Amendment. And Americans would not permit these liberals to do what they everything they want to do. They're getting it done piecemeal. They're getting it done incrementally. But what they really want to have accomplished, they can't do it because we have a Second Amendment. And we have millions of Americans are set to, to exercise that Second Amendment freedom, which is an individual right to own a firearm. It's not a collective right. It's an individual right. All right, other things happening. I'm sure you've heard about Joe Rogan. Being, I think he, I don't know if he's been officially deplatformed from Spotify, but some other well-known liberals, uh, Neil Young among them, 76-year-old Neil Young, who was relevant back in the 60s and 70s, not so much today. Uh, Joni Mitchell, another diehard liberal, uh, bleeding heart. They're threatening to m- remove their music from Spotify. Let them. Who cares? So I guess uh, Rogan now is going to be on Rumble, which is a much uh, have a much larger audience. But I don't think Spotify is set to deplatform him. I think that I think they may have jumped the gun. So he's going to be on Rumble, uh, Rogan, and good for him. I I, I watch his podcast as I've said before, and I've listened to him. Some of the stuff's real good, you know. For somebody who's not a professional broadcaster, a former MMA fighter, he's he knows his stuff and he's inquisitive. He wants to know what he doesn't know. It'd be nice if if you know these broadcasters or some of these TV people who think they know everything. If they were as inquisitive and, and wanted to learn new things, but they think they know everything. It's hard to learn anything new if you think you know everything. So Rogan is, uh, he's blown up. You know, I, I, I think it was Tucker Carlson said he has, Rogan has 11 million followers on social media. Compared now, for some uh, perspective, CNN, their top rated show in the evening, has just over 700,000 viewers. 700,000. Rogan's got 11 million followers. Now, why would Spotify want to want to dump him? Because he's offering a, you know, he interviewed two doctors who have different views on COVID, as I've talked about. I don't want to repeat myself. But speaking of Spotify, we're on Spotify. This program is on Spotify. It's on iHeart, Amazon, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn Alexa. And of course, the home base is the BMG Network. That's where you want to listen to us. Wherever you listen to your podcast, you can listen to the Pac-Man podcast with me, Ted Flint. We have so much fine programming up on the uh, the BMG Network for you. We have the Ken Burns Show on Mondays, Adrian Ross on Tuesday. This program heard Wednesdays, and uh, my daughter Madeline has a show every other week, I guess it is. She's done three uh, broadcasts. She's back in school, so she's very busy, but it's called... The Essentials with Maddie Flint. And uh, we have columns up there for you. We have all kinds of different programming. We're growing. So tell your friends about it. Share this program when you listen to it. Share it with a friend. Share it with all your friends. Tell everybody you know about the BMG Network because uh, we have some really, I think, some darn fine programming up on the dish there for you. If you want to contact me directly, I've been battling a bad chest cold. I think that's all it is. But you can uh, email me at pacman at thebmgnetwork.com, Pac-Man, P-A-C-M-A-N, all lowercase. Thank you for tuning us in. It's always a pleasure. I think I've gotten everything here. i got a couple of items we'll have to wait till next time, but we'll uh, we'll do that next time. We'll talk about football. The Super Bowl is coming up Sunday. I don't know anybody who's really all hyped up over Cincinnati and, 
and the Rams, but you know, it's going to be what it is, I guess. People will tune in. I'll be tuning in and I'll be able to actually enjoy the game relaxed. <clears throat> the Packers have not made it, so they've disappointed me again this year. So I'll be able to sit down and, and, and uh, enjoy the football game. So thanks for tuning us in. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune into the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint. Thank you.